Good day, everyone. This is Daryl Archer, and welcome to Sedona Spotlight. Our goal is to share the amazing energy emanating from Sedona, shining its spotlight to the world. The show will feature many illuminated teachers, healers, visionaries, and other notables in their field. Many will share an insight or a technique to help you. You can listen to the show Sedona Spotlight at KKNW 1150 AM every Tuesday at half past noon or the archive show at www.sedonaspotlight.com. We are also happy to share the events of Sedona's, one of Sedona's major anchors is Yavapai College, and you can always check out their information and events at yc.edu. Today we'll be covering some sensitive material and that it deals with not only mental abuse, but sexual abuse and the recovery process of the author. Uh, Robin Alexis. So just giving our audience a heads up that there is sensitive material today. So, well, the holidays are here and we all have many conflicting feelings. We're happy to see people. We're excited. We're going, oh, I've got to clean the house. I have to get this out of the way. And we're not always clear about what we need to do next and how we can help ourselves. And it's really about how we uh, can move forward. Our guest today, Robin Alexis, is not only an author, but also the host of Mystic Radio that airs also on KKNW 1150 AM on Wednesdays Pacific Time. It is a live call-in show. That number is 888-298-5569 on Wednesdays from noon to 1. Robin is going to talk about her book, Spirit Lady, The Gift of Robin's Song. It's very impactful about, you know, uh, our parents and what is our names mean in astrology. So welcome to the show. Robin Alexis here to talk about her book, Spirit Lady. Oh, it's exciting, Robin. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very excited about this book. Uh, it's very personal. It's uh, a contemporary romance about a woman falling in love with herself moment to moment, and that woman is me. And uh, as we discuss why it was an effort to learn how to love myself, I'm sure it's going to affect a lot of people and going, ah. <laughs> exactly. Well, and that, and that really is the trick, you know, at any age to fall in love with ourselves and, and especially if we've had a traumatic event to, to love and admire that person that went through the struggles and the courage that says, you know, I really love and approve of you. I, I like what you've done and I admire your struggles and, and that story that we all have a story mm -hmm. of struggle, but yours is a, a pretty amazing story, especially about our names. Oh yes. Um, the name, uh, my mom, I was a mistake and uh, it, it was uh, something that I was reminded of uh, my whole life. And uh, if we think in terms of our mothers are our first and most intimate relationship, if we happen to be uh, conceived and, and brought up in an environment where 
where we feel a sense of rejection. I mean, to the point where my mother and father both told me uh, that if abortion had been legal, they would have terminated the pregnancy. That's how much they didn't want uh, me to be born. And um, my mom did do some sort of herbal whatever, uh, it, but she was stuck with me. <laughs> so um, during the pregnancy, my mother was thoroughly convinced I was going to be a boy. So when her mother suggested that if I was a girl, my name would be Matilda Viola, which was the middle name of both of my grandmothers, my mother went along with it because she was thoroughly convinced I was going to be a boy. Well, when I was born, ah, I was a girl. Uh, my mother, who you know, barely had a psychic bone in her body. So she was holding me uh, in the room, the hospital room, and she saw a robin uh, land on the windowsill. And it was, you know, pretty stark winter, not really into the spring quite yet. And there was this robin there. And my mother said the robin bird spoke to her and said, you need to name her Robin. And my mother actually did. She stood up to her mother, which was a phenomena that she did that. And she named me Robin. And it ended up being incredibly impactful in the events of my life. And uh, the cover of this book, I'm particularly excited to share with people. I had the artist Baruch Imbar create it for me. And it's an image of a woman that I hope any woman will identify with. But on the right wrist is a tattoo of a robin. And on the left wrist is a tattoo that sexual survivors often have somewhere on their body. And that was one of the experience. Well, I had it more than once, but I put that on there because I'm a sexual assault survivor. And behind the image of me, Darielle, is the picture of Mount Shasta. So I thought you would enjoy oh, that lovely too. yes i love mount sheston the feeling of wow you have such an amazing story and and um tell us more about the story and and the contracts we have you know with our parents especially coming into you know being intuitive and having all these things must have terribly frightened your parents in addition to you know you know an unwanted pregnancy yeah my my mom and dad were really freaked out by me uh, when i was 3 i had my first uh near death experience and after that i essentially came back up out of the water as a mystic i mean i was talking about jesus i was talking about reincarnation i was talking about my past lives um just all kinds of things that were completely out of the norm of a small town in New Hampshire that was very Christian-based. So my mother and father, on top of the fact of being extraordinarily stressed with a third child, they thought I was mentally disturbed. And so my mother would kind of keep me away from people because it was embarrassing to her that I would, you know, walk up to somebody and say whatever I said. And she would say, oh, don't listen to my daughter. She just has an overactive imagination. Well, eventually I came to think very ill of myself. I thought, um, you know, there was something wrong with me. I thought maybe I was the spawn of the devil or something. So it wasn't until after I had my third near-death experience at age 30, where I said, you know what? I am not crazy. And even though all these people think that I am, I really do have a gift and I'm going to honor that gift and share it. And it, it's, it's just been an extraordinary struggle. Uh, one of the things that happened is that before my uh, first set of twins was born, I began to have dreams 
And I think a lot of mothers might relate to this because I think women do dream about stuff like this. But uh, anyway, I dreamed I was going to be pregnant with twins and one was going to die, which you can imagine how horrifying that was. And then one night I had a dream, you are now pregnant with twins and one is going to die. So I became fanatical about trying to have a healthy pregnancy. I tried to communicate to the minister, my family, my doctor. Of course, nobody thought I had a sane brain in myself. Uh, uh, you know, they thought I was not. Right. So anyway, um, then of course, I ended up having premature twins. And the night before my daughter did die, I had a dream, your daughter's going to die. So I called the hospital. And I talked to the head nurse at the intensive care nursery. And I said, look, I've been having these dreams for years. You need to assign a special nurse to both of my babies. And of course, I got dismissed. The, the, the nurse said, oh, honey, you're just tired. Go back to sleep. The girls are fine. You need to get your rest for when they come home. And then the next phone call I got was, you need to get over here right away. You may not get here in time. Your daughter's so sick. And so then I told you know, different ones who needed to drive me at the time because I couldn't drive, which is a whole nother story. But anyway, we get to the hospital and my daughter was already deceased. So, you know, that in itself was absolutely horrifying. I was like, oh my God, did I create this? Am I really this crazy devil lady? And what I came to understand is that I had had a soul contract with this child and Mm -hmm. that she came in and one of the, her her experience was to teach people to start to recognize the intuitive as well as the logical. And so we see things now. I could I could tell a story that's actually in another the other book that I wrote, Raising Humanity. And, and um, but I'll pause for a moment to see if you want to say something, Ariel. I I just think that what you've described is is um, so amazing. And and I often find that, yes, you know, we, we have stories and a lot of healers in that, that are soul contracts and we come to learn lessons and often hard lessons. Yes, I grew up in a Southern Baptist and I was not appreciated mm-hmm. as being an intuitive little healer. And it's like, please don't say or do anything. You're an embarrassment. Right. You know, so I, I, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, the, the mother part and losing and, and intuition. And I think those soul contracts, if we really recognized and allowed ourselves to, to speak to the kids or our partners or whoever we have that contract is and to to kind of bring it out in the open, you know, like what you were doing, you were calling for help. It's like, notice this is, you know, I'm telling you something. It's it's a message. Yeah. And um, as a result of uh, my daughter dying and me having all these experiences, uh, I ended up seeing a psychiatrist, which back in New Hampshire in the day was like, oh, my God, you don't do things like that. But I did. Well, what ended up happening is I was seeing the psychiatrist for the grief of losing my child and having all these dreams. And I then had a dream that this doctor was going to rape me. So what did I do? I did what I had always done. I called my girlfriend who was a psychiatrist. I talked to my minister. I talked to all these people. I said, look, I'm having these dreams now that this guy is going to rape me. And they're like, oh, has he done anything that would indicate that? And I'm like, no, he seems perfectly fine. He said, oh, keep going. So I go in. He locks me in his office. He says that if I don't do what he te- he's telling me I have to do, 
He's going to get my children taken away from me. He's going to say I'm crazy. And I'm like, oh my God, I tried to, you know, get out of the room. It was just a nightmare. But eventually I knew the only way I was going to get out of there is if I did what he said, which I did. And then he let me out. So then what I did was I I was just besides myself, as you can well imagine. I mean, my God, now I've been raped over this, right? So, um, but what I ended up doing is I had a girlfriend at that point who, when I told her what happened, she said, you need to go to the police. You need to get a lawyer. And I did. And lo and behold, I actually, for the first time, got help. And, uh, I, and, and then I went to these other women who had sent me to the psychiatrist. I said, did he ever do anything to you? And they go, oh, yeah, it's all part of therapy. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. Our oh. culture has socialized sexual abuse to the point where these women were going to this doctor who was telling them to have sex with him. And somehow that was fixing them. And he was charging the, the um, insurance companies so the attorney general for the state of New Hampshire got involved. We found other women. Eventually, he went to jail. He got his license taken away from him, et cetera, et cetera. And then, you know, all these years later, we get the Me Too movement where it's like, my goodness, when are we as a society going to stop normalizing sexual abuse? You know, right. we, we just need to stop that crap. And so that's what this book is about. How did I survive this? How am I still speaking up about it? How am I sane? <laughs> and, and how can other women, because you know there's other women, and I'm sure men, who have experienced countless abuse for whatever reason. They're, they're too sensitive. They're too psychic. They're getting raped. Whatever it is, we all got to come out of the closet. We got to stop letting our silence perpetuate this horrible underbelly of our society. It is a form of terrorism and violence. And if we want to stop the gun shooting and every other stupid thing. We got to stop even with this stuff. Exactly. It's, it's, you know, like silence says that you agree to it and that's not true. You're too terrified. And when you're traumatized as a hypnotherapist, you would hear these stories and it's, you know, the, they would rather take the beating and one lady she, she says well i would rather have be you know beaten with you know co-hangers and thrown downstairs and to give up my lifestyle or to do this or this is the only way i can protect my kids and it's like take pictures have your doctor go to the police and it's so hard to get them to do anything because we have normalized it that it's okay women don't have rights about their body you can do with them if you know what you want and you know, men too. It's so crazy. And now it's like, this book is like making room for the miracles. Yay. How are you saying losing your daughter, knowing it was happening, going to the sky where your, your life was threatened to the point that you had to agree to an egregious crime that he was committing against you. And you had no option. I mean, it's an amazing story. And, and so tell me about how did you make room for the miracles in your life, Robin? Because I never stopped trusting that if there's a problem, there's a solution. And even though for so many years of my life, decades of my life, I spoke up, I spoke up, I spoke up, and everybody dismissed me. Eventually, somebody was the alchemy of change that gave me a hand up and opened the door to other people who had the mindset that we can lift each other up. That, that's and that's so happened. great. 
And, and that's so great of, of joining forces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll tell you, during that whole time, after that situation with a psychiatrist, every single day, Darielle, for seven years, I had thoughts of suicide. And every day I would talk to that voice in my head and I'd say, no. And then one day, all of a sudden it stopped. So if anybody out there, you're feeling suicidal, please get help. Don't take that road. Put the gun down. Put the bullets down. Put the drugs down. Keep going. Keep asking. Eventually, you are going to find someone who will help you. And it will will change your life. Somebody will hear you. So if I go back to my own mother, my mother normalized. She taught me to normalize abuse towards females at the home and at work and in society. And I said, no, mom, that's not true. And before my mother passed away, my mother confided in me all kinds of abuse that happened to her that she thought was normal to happen to women. And that's it. It passes from generation to generation. And brainwashed into that that's just how it's done honey or you just do your duty and that's the normal and and they don't really recognize that it's not normal because they don't have anything and it's like you know like with with cultures and that they don't talk to their family members or other people about what's really taking place right we have to make a conscious decision to join together and stop perpetuating what is wrong that creates the insanity loop of society. And we have to, if we're willing, choose to co-create the sacred hoop of life. And we have to know that it's not about being wrong or right. It is about love. It's about learning to cope with change, grief, death, and just allowing ourselves to remember miracles can happen, but we have to create the opportunity for them to happen. Right. And, and, and part of this book that uh, you talk about, like discovering the past life and, and our soul's wisdom, and as we heal those past lives, how it can help us work with these um, energies um, while we're having the human experience being in a physical body. Yeah, that goes back to understanding we live in a quantum universe. So Mm -hmm. just because we were injured in this lifetime or another lifetime doesn't mean that we can't reach into that space-time continuum and shapeshift it. And so, for example, I've called this thing the chat womb technique, where I've taken my own inner child, my own inner baby into my own arms, and I've talked to her and said, look, You had these experiences, you had them because you came in as part of your astrology and your name vibrationally to have certain experiences that would help you be a teacher of peace. And so Mm -hmm. thank you for surviving those things. Thank you for becoming more compassionate to other people, but you've got to start with yourself and forgive yourself for coming in to learn the lessons, but take the teaching take the wisdom and be a leader of change. And we, you know, and with that, we have to recognize, and I think it's something that we need to teach in schools about what are the signs that somebody's being hurt and abused? What, what do we look for as kids or as, as teenagers, adults, you know, college, you know, as, as we grow, what, what are some of the signs 
Um, how do we help somebody who's so terrified and been brainwashed? You know, we need to open up those doors of communication and have education. This is a really key point because by the time I was a teenager, I was a model teenager. I was the cheerleader, the captain of the cheerleaders, the, the president of the class, the president of the honor society. I had a fake smile plastered on my face that you would have thought I had it all. But if you looked in my eyes, you would see that my eyes did not match the smile in my face. Yeah, so, in hypnotherapy, we have that saying is where the smile does not continue to the eyes. Yes. And so that is how look yourself in the eyes. Does do what you see in your eyes match the smile on your face? Start there to create the change. Bring it home. Healer, heal thyself. What's that class you're going to be teaching, Darielle? Healer, you come first. Okay. And on in all my work on the, my website, my my radio show, my books, it's all about learning to know, trust, and act upon your own intuition. Even if you're being dismissed by everybody else, don't betray your own knowing. That's the first betrayal. It, and, it, and it really is. When you don't trust yourself, how can you trust anything else? Or how can you believe and, and help others? This has been such a, a great show about, you know, bringing things to light to help people. Because I think more than any other time, we can feel this, that there is just a violence in the mentality and, and like, Recently, a famous author and well-known um, talk show personality commented about her family, where violence was rewarded and kindness was seen as weakness. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, to be raised with that and, and like what you were raised with, where you were invalidated from before you went to school. Yes. And we need to validate ourselves. That is is where we need to start. And then we need to create a change in society where it is cool to listen to all of your senses. And, you know, I want to go back to where you said you've worked with some women who choose to stay in a violent situation because of their lifestyle. If they're consciously choosing to stay in that environment, don't tell me you're a victim. You are consciously choosing and you can do that. That's your choice. It is a choice. And, you know, it's where, like you said, we're multidimensional and, and people, you know, that's their trade-off for their lifestyle. And, and that's, you know, here's your bill. That's the payment. And, yes. and I agree with you. It's, it's like what you choose consciously. However, against, you know, children and people that, you know, that they don't have the means to protect themselves or to really understand what is happening to them. That is where we need the education and to, you know, start like when our kids go to before they even go to kindergarten to the the awareness and, and educating, you know, like mothers before they have kids of, you know, what is what is, you know, a uh, healthy behavior and what's an unhealthy behavior. And that brings me back to the special ability I have as the metaphysical mother. I am able to work with parents prior to the conception of their children to get the energetics in the most pure state possible. And it allows for an incredible opportunity for these kids to come in with their parents understanding that they are bringing in a soul through a human body. And what is it that they've all agreed to do. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very helpful. It's, it's the most important time 
before you get pregnant to work with the energetics. It just saves so much trauma on the system. And metaphysical mothering is a soulful parenting perspective. It is not gender-based. Right. It, it is the energies of, of that being, whether, you know, um, if, if it's a boy child or a girl child, it's, it's really being there for that being to come in and create that energies to support them and, you know, the parents before the birth, before the event. And I do want to say that before my mother crossed over, she came to understand that my gift was legitimate. And so did my dad. And my mother actually wrote the end of my book, Spirit Lady, The Gift of Robin Song. It's just beautiful. I have oh. it in her handwriting on my wall framed, but it's the very end of my book. And I'll save that for people who read the book. And I will also say that once my mother crossed over, she has channeled a book through me which I, it's nowhere near completion. That's book that is like a year out, but it is called Love Letters from Heaven, Three Peas in a Pod. And it's after my mother died, she started writing love letters through me to my father. It's absolutely astounding. Oh, so, that's lovely, Robin. And we've, we've managed to go through the whole hour. We could go for an, okay. another half hour or so. So people can reach you at uh, robinalexis.com. Yes, they can learn when the pre-order of these books are going to be available. They can learn what the launch party is going to look like. They can learn about my radio show, which is on the same station on Wednesdays at noon Pacific. It's a live call-in show. Call in. I'd love to hear from you. Help you learn to know, trust, and act upon your own knowing. Oh, Robin, thank you so much. And you will also have an archive of today's shows with all the links and everything to your website and um, the information from this show, a summary. So again, thank you so much, Robin. This has been an amazing show. Thank and you. It's such an opportunity to share any moment with you, Darielle. But to know that we're on KKNW together, which is a wonderful radio station, it is a gift. And we are so lucky to share it with anyone who's also collaborating with us, wanting to change the world. I feel that. And, and I know Martha's here with us, although, you know, as the host, she's not here today, but she is here with us. So I yes, want to thank, is. I want to thank you for joining us and to thank a big thank to our listeners for joining us too. And for tuning in and turning up Sedona Spotlight, because collectively we can all be spotlights, mm -hmm. helping to create a better world and a better future for everyone, everywhere, and anytime. Sedona Spotlight. Have a great day. And again, thank you so much, Robin. Namaste. Namaste.